0: Shade at Black Girls Texting. I know y'all see my text, you better answer me back.
1: I'm Charles Pinky, also known as the Washing Machine Queen. I'm classically trained. Me, 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 me. It's Glenn at I Brat.
2: Wow, you did us. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.
1: Goodbye. Hello. Hey, yeah, say hi back. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Thank you every single person that came tonight after your long Monday. We really appreciate it. Um, We appreciate the support. We appreciate having people come and interact with us um, on our monthly series, right? Omar Monthly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This is Black Girls Texting. Um, We are a podcast that comes out weekly every Wednesday on every platform. Um, That's Black Girls Texting, just how it sounds. Um, I'm Chels Pinky, I'm Glynn,
0: and I'm Sade.
1: (laughs) And just to like quickly tell you a little bit about the podcast, um, it's a space for women, especially black women, to have unfiltered conversations um, about topics that we're all talking about in our group chats. Um, So we talk about things like hair and fashion and what else? Politics. And positivity.
2: Gentrification. Like, anything that would come up really on the day-to-day, there's no limits to it.
1: Yeah. yeah so yeah. go check it out.
2: And we have a very
0: special guest
1: with us.
0: And I'm sure you all know who this lovely lady is. <laughs> but I'm going to do a brief intro, and then if there's anything else that you want to share, please, please do. Okay. So we have the fabulous Dr. Jessica Clemens. Um, she is from... Huntsville, oh, Alabama. Any, anybody, anybody Alabama in here? Anybody from the south in Somebody here? Somebody put a finger up. Yes. 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 So Dr. Jess is a psychiatrist, and she's using social media to destigmatize the conversations about mental health. She's
3: a graduate of Tuskegee University.
0: Anybody? Tuskegee?
3: Y'all know about Tuskegee Experiment, though, we
0: right? Know we know about that.
2: Y'all need
3: to know about TU. <laughs>
0: yes. Black colleges. Yes. And Dr. Jess, known as Dr. Jess. I'm, 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 I could do your whole full government, which I think is really powerful. Like, Dr. Jessica.
3: Clinton. Do it. Charlamagne <laughs> does it every time we are on there. Oh, He's like, it's Dr. Jessica. No, Clinton. like, I'm
0: never going to not say Dr. But you know, I might Dr. Jess, Dr. Clemens. You know, I might switch it up. <laughs> but she launched um, Twitter and Instagram handle Ask Dr. Jess as a safe space for her growing follower base to talk about all things regarding mental health and to create a community that's comfortable in sharing their feelings with one another and seeking help if needed. The platform has also grown to the IRL series Be Well where changemakers across entertainment have live conversations about combating negativity, their upbringing, how mental health plays roles in their success, and much more. And Dr. Jess's ever-evolving platform landed her a live television therapy session, the first of its kind, on VH1, in session live with Dr. Jess. So please give it up. It was crazy. (laughs) (laughs) We're so, so, so happy to have you here. And this really means a lot because we talk so much about representation so having you in this space is really really important and i don't know
3: i'm really excited me too <laughs> also can you rewrite my bio whoever wrote that <laughs> <laughs> Who wrote i got it? you we got you You can do it I'm like, <laughs> we'll talk all
0: great time. <laughs> um so we're gonna kick it off with a game that we call on red a reply so with us being black girls texting we say You know, in the modern day, black women are having conversations in the group chat. You probably have tons of group chats. You probably have group chats with all types of emojis. You probably have group chats when you're planning a trip. And we feel as though that is where black women are really having conversations. And so we like to play this little game like, would you leave this topic or subject on red, Like, meaning, I am not here for that. Or would you reply?
1: And... Just so you all know, we're all playing, so everyone in this room is playing. Thumbs up if you get the rules. Okay. Right. Okay. So the first thing is astrology, red or reply? Red. Reply. Red. reply. Red. reply. No, reply. 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 It's reply. on red, what are the rules? on
2: red. Oh, reply. 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 Any reply. Capricorns
1: in the room? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Any Leos in the room? No. Yeah. Somebody said no, like- Somebody said no. <laughs> no, girl. <laughs> Um, wait, wait can wait, you share your you sign? Feel.
3: No, I totally would reply. I'm a Virgo. I am married a Leo. Oh, I'm like, oh. <laughs> every time he does something upset. Yes, I'm like, it's because you're a Leo.
2: Wait, <laughs> just quickly. Have you heard of the pattern? Has anybody heard of the pattern? I haven't. That will read your whole life. That will read you for filth. For <laughs> filth. Yeah, I'm, it's I'm, like I'm afraid to download to it. astrology, but it also goes deep into sort of like your patterns in life. Hmm. It's an app. Yeah. It's an application.
1: You can get it on an app. Yeah. But they're not paying us, so we're not endorsing it. (laughs) Um, The next one is arguing over text. Read or reply? Reply.
2: Read. Reply. (laughs) Reply. Wait, why do you say reply?
3: So I'm very much in this space of expressing my rage and not eating it. So I find that it's helpful to let it out where it comes out. It doesn't mean that I'm like nasty, but it does mean that we can go at it. Let's let's talk about this in a way. And also, you're not face to face. You 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 can have a conversation after, but I, I reply.
2: And is there something to assertive. being able to like write out your thoughts and have the clarity of like being able to spell it out, right? Yes. But not when you're I'm, like, drunk. I be Glenn. more
1: measured. Oh. Not when you're drunk. Triggered. Though. Triggered. <laughs> I mean, I had to call it out. Um, the next one is <laughs> grand gesture apologies.
2: We were thinking about like uh, Offset storming Cardi B's stage with his yeah. flowers and all that. That's on red.
3: I think it's on red. Yeah. Like, so we're saying grand gesture as though like we don't believe that this is a uh, sincere it just, apology. It just—it's just
0: kind of like you are just going over the top yeah, to red. win someone back. But like, I would love that. <laughs> what the? What were those voices just now? <laughs> oh my god. I'm I'm just saying. Um, holding a grudge.
2: I don't team petty <laughs>
3: You would leave it on red?
2: I'm see I'm, I'm getting too nerdy
3: because now I'm like, am I the one with the grudge or are they yeah, the one like if with you the have grudge? I know, she's like, I need specifics.
2: <laughs> and you're gonna hold it like I feel a way and I'm not re- to it. I would reply.
3: I would so again, the same way that I would argue in the text. I'm not holding grudges. We're going to talk about this and we're going to choose to go separate ways or agree to
1: disagree is what my, my mother would say. Okay. Like um, sure. Trendy diets. Is anyone here on a trendy diet? Red. Wait, so red? I mean, reply. Oh. you feeling excited. good after the diet? Okay.
2: Okay. Do you, how do you feel? Oh, Red.
1: Red,
3: leaving just, it on
2: red. No trendy diet. No,
3: just healthy or well balance. I'm definitely
1: not super healthy, but just like a moderation. Choice. Yeah. yeah. Okay, a, f- a few more of these. Wig shaming. Red. Reply. Wait. Reply okay. means you're okay with it. Red means right, you're not. Like, I think not. We need
2: some clarification. It's on red. Like we're not here for. It's we're not, on we red. We saw it, but we don't, red. don't acknowledge it. Right? Yeah.
1: I hate I hate all these videos where these guys are like, I don't want no girl with a wig. It's like, it's not your head. (laughs) Yeah, they don't.
2: How do you feel? Yeah, I would leave it on red. Yeah, leave that on. Yeah, absolutely. Hundred percent. Yeah.
0: Um, I don't know this young man.
2: Chelsea's favorite artist. Because yeah,
0: Chelsea says I'm in the auntie squad. Uh, Little Nas X.
2: That's the man.
0: he made the country song song. Maserati
2: sports car I think I like it too
0: I am gonna have to I did we were all (laughs) listening to it
3: I just don't you know what he's a black man I'm a reply yes yes reply and help him get on that country music chart or whatever you know it's not gonna happen Oh, Billy Ray, apparently right, that's was, how
2: it's going to get him to chart. Right.
3: He stepped in. He's an ally. Right. Maybe. I think he had so. to make up for what Miley did to the all culture.
2: of the things that she did. All those things.
1: Wow. All the size. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, OK, the last one, journaling, which Shadé has begun.
0: I love journaling. What are, like, I I'm going to reply all day.
3: Yeah, a reply, absolutely.
2: She said all day. I'm too self-conscious to read back all the wild things I would say in a rage of my emotions. Mm. I'm like, you're so embarrassing. Why are you so dramatic? I don't know. I don't know if I can handle it, but I've been thinking recently that I should like do it. You should. Like, face it. You should.
1: For context, she's Woo! a writer,
2: a great writer, by the way. That's another um, thing,
1: too. But yeah. yeah, so everything is a story for Glenn. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Wait, we added another one. A few of us that sitting in the front. There was a couple that was just having a beautiful time outside just now. It was very lovely. And <laughs> we put on their PDA. How do you feel about PDA? Oh,
1: PDA. Write a reply. Reply. I love love. I love. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we
2: need reply. More love
3: in the world. I,
2: yeah. I, I mean I love seeing it. And not even on Novoyer. I was just like, that's so lovely. Cute PDA, though. Cute PDA, yeah. not the- Where it's
1: just like, oh, get it. Yeah. Yeah. We get it. Yeah. So, Glenn, you want to start us off with our first question? Yeah. So, just diving right in, Dr. Chess.
2: Describe your work as a psychiatrist, and can you explain the difference between the types of providers within the mental health care space?
3: Yeah, sure. So, I'm actually <laughs> coming directly from the hospital. So I was worried I wasn't going to be on time, Um, but then I was early. So a psychiatrist is a medical doctor who specializes in psychiatry, so treating and diagnosing psychiatric disorders like depression, anxiety, schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, also substance uh, use disorder, which is just a word we use for people who have uh, addictions to things like alcohol and other drugs. Um, So... My work is primarily in doing that, but what the difference is um, with a psychiatrist maybe versus a psychologist who also may be called doctor um, is that we can prescribe medication, and we also went through medical training. So a psychiatrist, someone said bingo? bingo. <laughs> or are they playing bingo? Okay. Yeah. Yes, yeah. So the, the main thing also there is that a psychiatrist, um, you know, could have differentiated or chosen to go into an, another field of medicine. Um, and so you have psychologists, you have social workers. Um, social workers go and get like a clinical, um, like, delineation. They get more training on that. They can do therapy, and um, which psychiatrists can do also. But most of the time, if you see a psychiatrist, certainly outside of New York City, they're probably uh, primarily focused on treating with medication and that's okay because there's not really a lot of psychiatrists anyway. So our role is really needed for that purpose. Some people do
1: need yeah. medication. Just for a clarifying question, I forgot what you call it, like substance use disorder. Use substance disorder. use disorder. Does that include like, like the natural stuff like marijuana?
3: Um, so, yes. Yeah. So I actually just saw, I sat in on a grand rounds, which is what we as doctors go to when we're getting additional um, not training, but we sit and, and listen in on different talks. And uh, there was a talk by a doctor who takes care of people who are kind of at the end of their life or dealing with uh, pain, like mm-hmm. so palliative care. And she treats with medical marijuana. Um, and so that was just really interesting. But generally, when we think about a substance use disorder, it's really more about a behavior that someone has surrounding that medication. So for someone, they can have like a marijuana use disorder, or we call it cannabis use disorders. We like to use all that medical Official. jargon, <laughs> um, but that really demonstrates someone who has like a tolerance. They have to maybe use a lot more to get the same effect. And we also think about their behavior surrounding that. Are they missing engagements with family? Mm-hmm. Are okay. they not showing up for work? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, if so that's I'm happening. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> but I guess I'm sharing the the fact that the medical field is more open now yeah. to thinking about. The benefits of marijuana, but that's also very nuanced.
0: I also wanted to get clarification: Is there a difference between a psychiatrist and a psychologist? Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
3: So a psychiatrist is the medical doctor, and psychologist Psychologist. they, um, you know, they went probably did like undergrad in psychology, so they have a bachelor's. Some may go on to get a master's, and then if they practice. Um, taking care of patients, they have a Ph.D. in psychology. And they can, like,
0: refer you to a psychiatrist if need be?
3: Yes. So so if you see a psychologist, you're, you're engaging in therapy, and there's right. different types. But if the psychologist is seeing you and they wonder if you could benefit from treatment with medication, then they will mm-hmm. refer you to a psychiatrist. Got it. Yep. But psychiatrists can do both. So we will... You know, prescribe medication if we think it's appropriate, and then we can also um, engage in you know eat, uh, treating with therapy. So that's why I love it. And,
2: and mm-hmm. you are a proponent of like if you need medication, sometimes you do. take
3: it. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm. I'm. For me, I think the way that we're trained, we we're focused on treating the illness and helping the person to get back to a. a the level of functioning that they want or that they had previously, and sometimes medication plays a role mm-hmm. in that, but sometimes you don't need it,
1: right? Can you speak on some of the common challenges you see among black people and mental health?
3: Yeah, um, so I, I mean, what we what I always think about is stigma, I mean, that's mm-hmm. part of why I've been using my Instagram and like Twitter, ask Dr. Jess to to start to normalize conversations, um, so we know that uh, Black people, when they do engage in treatment for mental illness or disorders, whatever term you feel more comfortable with, um, they're more likely to go into emergency rooms. And so, emergency rooms are great to kind of help them with like a crisis, right? They're they're great for if you're dealing with thoughts of not wanting to live and you're not able to keep yourself safe, but they're not going to be perfect or ideal, not perfect, but ideal for treating someone who's had maybe a depression for a while. Like we're really there to see, do you need to come into the hospital? Um, Because I also work in the emergency room setting too. So um, anyhow, we're getting most of our care there. Um, And I think outside of that, there's an issue with access. So where do we go to see psychiatrists or therapists? There are not a lot of therapists or psychiatrists of color. Um, And so that creates a barrier. I get a lot of questions about, um, you know, should I see someone that looks like me? And I'm always trying to encourage people to, to push the limits if you can, but it does feel safe to be around people who look like you and be treated by someone who understands at least aspects of what you're experiencing. So issues with access, issues with stigma, come up a lot. Um, I also think about trauma, right? We were talking previously about you know, Nipsey's untimely death, his murder, and I think about how so many people are, are suffering right now and, and how much of that is trauma that we maybe didn't realize that you know, comes from experiences that we've seen or um, you know, our own lives that we've experienced. So, so I think a lot about trauma. Substance use is also an issue that we have in our community that I think comes up uh, because we're not going to see someone when we feel depressed, so we self-medicate, right? We try to drink the pain away, like Solange says, right? We try to do all of these things to avoid it. Um, but I, I don't think there's an issue with our ability to be able to engage in therapy, right? So I, I think a lot of it centers around stigma and, and those issues that come with that.
0: It's so interesting to hear you talk about Um, nipsey Hussle's death and like processing grief just yesterday i was in bushwick which is becoming like extremely gentrified in brooklyn and there was um i don't even know what you would call this like Like a shrine shrine type a memorial for no um a, a man from the neighborhood who had passed away his nickname was like debo and there was like a photo of him and flowers and signatures and like a bottle of OE and drinks and all this stuff. And I was like, this is so interesting to see in this like across the street, there's this like new big gentrified building. And then right there is this like memorial for this man. And it really made me think about how the community deals with grief and, and that trauma and like people go in and acknowledge it and then like what that might feel like for outsiders coming in and like encroaching crouching on your space it was just it was really interesting
2: I mean yeah that's so real I, I would think that the, these new people that live in that area have no idea how much these people are grieving and that like weeks next week they'll they'll say like oh yeah that's that like memorial they made to this guy and people will still be grieving and and we hold on to that and understanding how we
0: grieve as a people mm-hmm. like the fact that people put that memorial together like that's a part of our like, I think for Our Brooklyn process. culture, in a way, like, you'll see so many memorials and so many people, like, processing things in that way. And and that's something I thought about,
3: like, this is so black. <laughs> it is. It is. So I think it's important to honor those things that yeah. make us who we are and to keep doing those things. Um,
1: yeah. So the next question is, how do you think finances plays a role in seeking mental health care? Um from lack of access to the off-held belief that it's some sort of indulgence practice. Yeah, I mean, I don't know
3: about people here in the room, but I before, so I'm in my own therapy and I would um, say that before that, I could not imagine paying for it, primarily for the reason that you said that it seems like something that you do when you have enough money to afford it, right? Like, you know, if you get your hair dyed, it's really, like, at a time when you can afford it. You're not necessarily splurging. So it felt like a splurge. Um, so I think finances definitely play a role in, in a person thinking about actually taking the step to engage um, in treatment. But, like, even, you know, Charlemagne says it in his book, you guys should definitely read um, shook ones. It was. It really. He points out how we all, we use that almost as an excuse, right? But we we do spend money, right? Right. As a culture, right. We have so much buying power. Mm-hmm. We spend billions of dollars collectively to buy clothes and 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 things that really are not helping. Look, get into what's deeper, right? The trauma. The fact that you had an uncle with schizophrenia. Now you definitely don't want to see a psychiatrist because you saw what happened to him. So we use it as an as an excuse, but there certainly are providers like when you asked earlier, like social workers, psychologists, who um, their fee may may be less compared to like a psychiatrist in New York City. Yeah, which a psychiatrist in New York City, you're gonna be paying like a couple hundred an hour. Dollars, yes, an hour mm-hmm. to see a psychiatrist. Um, but certainly, you can get so much out of seeing someone who. Um, is not paying back all those loans, is probably what goes into it, but also their rates can be you know, $100 a session, and a lot of people may be insured now, and you can um, you know, go back to your insurance and get reimbursed for parts of it. Like my insurance reimburses $100 a
1: session. So it kind of sounds like it is almost like necessary, not necessary, but like another part of being well. Mm-hmm. Um, but what if, like, you genuinely feel like nothing is wrong with you?
3: Yeah. So I, so I definitely am an advocate of engaging in therapy if you are dealing with issues that are kind of repetitive, right? Um, certainly, if you're dealing with depression or anxiety, consider therapy. But I always think about I have, you know, friends who keep dating the same guy over and over, and they're kind of stuck, right? So triggered. Glenn. Triggered.
2: <laughs> <laughs> You made your eyes big, too, over there, girl, okay? You relate. (laughs) Yeah, sorry. (laughs) No,
3: no, you're not. So I mean, I I think about would that person be someone who could benefit from talking talking through things, right? Understanding what's the pattern. What relationships did you see in your life that you're maybe looking for in a partner, right? Because we kind of all marry our mother or father or both, right? And you explore some of that in, like, psychodynamic therapy, which is, like, the classical talk therapy where you just come in and you... Start talking. So, But I think if you feel fine, you're you're not dealing with any symptoms. You're sleeping okay at night. You don't feel depressed. You're coasting. I don't think you should go. But I do think if you're dealing with some things, why not talk?
0: Yeah, I recently, if anyone doesn't know this, if you haven't heard on the podcast, I recently moved to California. um, And, like, I went through a breakup and, like, all this stuff was happening. But I've always been, like, I'm happy. I'm fine. Everything's good. And then I just didn't feel myself. Um, and in that moment, I sought out therapy, and she was like, oh, yeah, I deal with people who, like, recently moved all the time. And I was like, oh, this is a thing? Mm-hmm. She was like, yeah, like, I deal with women that are relocating, doing long-distance relationships, and I was like,
2: oh. I'm, I mean, that's, like, like, a major life change, right? Yeah. yeah do but, like,
0: something that I wasn't even, I thought it, like, had to be more, like, extreme, right? And it wasn't even that, and... um." I mm, kind of stopped going because I was like, this is really expensive. But re- recently I've been like, damn, like, I want to talk to my doctor about this. And so, like, I have literally, like, put her in my budget. Like, I, like, edited the, like, Uber nightlife dinner budget, and I put that money into seeing her. That is yeah.
3: amazing. I think it's a, it, it demonstrates that you're prioritizing Yourself self care, not this, like, let me go get my nails done, I'm done self care. No, like, you have to actually listen in. And I think I just want to point out what you're describing is what we call like psychosocial psychosocial stressors. And so, when I'm like seeing or evaluating a patient for the first time in an emergency room and they come in and they're depressed, and we go over things in their life, and it's like, oh, you had to move your boyfriend dumped you, we actually talk about how that is probably what contributed to why you're coming in. So all of those things, we maybe, we maybe think that this is like normal part of life and I should be okay, but it's a stressor. So I will put that down as like the list of things that could be a potential stress, stressor. Marriage is a stressor. Having a baby, right? All of these things, these change. So I think it's, what you're describing is absolutely like reasonable and that's, that's what I see.
1: Okay, but say you are dead broke, you have okay. no funds, you're eating ramen every day, Yeah. Um, is there a, a, a poor man's version of getting that help, like is there something else that you could do for free? Yes,
3: so I'm a resident doctor, and so you guys know what a resident is? You watched Grey's Anatomy? Yes, okay. <laughs> So a so resident doctor is a doctor, finished with med school, in debt, all that good stuff, but you are still training under your, spe- your specialty. Okay, so resident doctors, our fees are much lower than the standard fee, right? So certainly for someone who's, who um, doesn't have a lot of resources, like you said, financial resources, that's one option if you live in an area that has a academic institution. So like I'm at NYU. So um, their hospital is Bellevue, all of those things like that. But so depending on the setting I'm in, a person can see me and pay the, the rate that you would normally pay a resident, or it could be free if you go to Bellevue, right? They don't care about your ability to pay. You know, we treat people regardless of whether they're documented, they're homeless, any of that, right? So, so there are resources. I think what, what's important to think about is just, being resilient. We live in the age of social media, not resilient, resourceful. So if you don't have the money that you can think of right away, look up, look it up on the internet. Like where are federally funded health programs that can hold me over until I feel more stable to you know, apply for a different job. Just be creative. Like black folk, we are very creative. We know how to make our way out of nothing. So use that same ingenuity to be able to like get what you need. And also another thing to think about is groups. Group therapy is actually a lot more affordable. And that's a great way to really work out a lot of stuff, right? You may have like interpersonal conflict a lot, but now you're in a group where you gotta learn how to listen and think about I keep pointing to you guys because you're in the front, I guess, but like using you as an example, right? If we're talking and you say something and then the group leader says, how do you feel hearing what's your name? Ashley say this about her life, and then I'm able to articulate. Hmm, it makes me think about this. So you're getting your own treatment, and you're also learning how to like be more empathic. And mm. it's usually far more affordable than an individual session. Yeah. So those
1: are some wow. ideas. No, that was extremely helpful. And Bellevue, that's yeah. a place you
3: can go for free. It is. I mean, you know, I'm going to be honest. It certainly, for for some people, can be triggering because it is it is a public hospital. Mm. But I. I, I know that the care there, for at least you know, I can speak to my colleagues. We, you know, we practice with empathy. Um, we, most doctors in those settings, are not thinking about who's paying because we're not getting paid any different, whether you have money or not. It doesn't matter to us, um, as it doesn't change my paycheck. Um, but I think it is a place where you're getting evidence-based care. You're getting people who are really interested in taking care of populations in need.
1: That's amazing. So yeah, Bellevue is a
3: good place if you're in the city.
2: Yeah. Oh, I wanted to go back to something you were mentioning a bit earlier um, about the importance of seeing a provider that looks like you. I felt like I've been searching for, far and wide for a black woman therapist and had no luck. Um, I'm my third therapist at this point and the first person I saw was this white woman who was always talking about, she was like, she used to pull tarot cards when I left the room she was like, Surround yourself in a warmth of purple light as you enter the world. (laughs) Okay, that was the thing. I actually really liked her. Like I was like, oh, I appreciate what you're giving me. And Mm. after that, I had an insurance issue. Then I went and I was seeing a Jewish man, a white man. Who would have thought? (laughs) But he approached me in this very like clinical kind of way and I felt like it was just very like, there were no emotions involved. And I appreciated him too. And now I'm with a black woman and we have a whole different kind of connection. But each of these people have given me something else and it's been really surprising um, and interesting and, and yeah. fulfilling in each of their ways and just curious on your thoughts about like, prioritizing that.
3: Yeah, so I actually, you kind of debunked a lot of the things that I would typically say, yeah. so <laughs> I'm gonna stretch my mind a bit more. Because um, here's the thing, if we know that like less than, I believe less than 1% or 2% of um, like therapists are black, it means that, like, we're limited in terms of options, right? So here I'm always trying to encourage people to think outside the box and push yourself a bit. So I would typically tell them, if you can't find someone who looks like you, find someone who's willing to work with you, right? And I say willing, but just find someone who... You approach and tell, this, these are what my issues are. If they're steeped in race, let them know. You know, I'm dealing with a lot of rage at white America for gentrifying my neighborhoods and all these other things, mass incarceration, whatever you want to talk about. If they say they can tolerate it, then you're learning to be assertive and approach. But what you've shared, I think, is something that is important. A lot of people don't do is keep trying. Mm-hmm. right? So your black therapist may also not give you what you feel like you need. Um, That doesn't mean say, oh, I never can see a black female therapist again, right? Um, My my therapist is actually a Jewish white guy, ironically. (laughs) Who knew (laughs) who's in this neighborhood? But I I wanted someone because I was dealing with a lot of frustrations at feeling isolated by being black, one of five in med school, right, Of, of 101 students. So I wanted someone that I could, like, push what I was feeling a little bit more to and not feel like... I was getting that. Okay, yeah, girl, I'm with you. Right. Um, but it, it varies. But I think the main thing is therapy teaches you how to be assertive. It teaches you how to confront or leave and choose something else. Right? You know, you're not ghosting your therapist like how you ghost someone in a relationship. It, you're confronting it, and if it doesn't work, you move on to something right. else, but you don't give up. Right. right? So, in a nutshell, try to get what works for you, but don't give up and hold them accountable. Yeah. yeah. Listen, I'm not going to be explaining to you what it feels like to be black in America. I want to be able to talk if you're finding that's happening. Yeah,
2: I mean, my white woman therapist kept projecting upon me all of this stuff, and it was just like, it's mm. not what's in my mind. Like, that's in your mind. Mm. So Absolutely. Not, and that is the thing that can make it kind of difficult. Like, yeah. You, sorry.
0: Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm I'm reading my friend right just here in the live read show. All day. But you wow. definitely were having like a Molly insecure moment with your black therapist. Does everybody remember when Molly went in? and <laughs>
3: yeah. the Black therapist and every her every were like. Every
2: time I went to see her, I just wanted her beefing. to think I was so cool and like fun. I wanted to entertain her. I just wanted to like have a key. I'm like girl, yes, this is what's happening. I just wanted us to just like get along. And I almost found like there was a pressure there. That I don't know. Yeah, but that but that separate myself if we didn't have that connection.
3: Absolutely, mm-hmm. but but that's the other thing in like a in in more of a dynamic therapy, not like a skills based therapy like CBT. Have you guys heard of? Yes. CBT is that so like that they don't necessarily What's go. CBT. I'm sorry. Sorry. I'm doing that. So it's cognitive behavioral therapy. Okay. Okay. And they teach you about how your feelings inform your thoughts and your, your thoughts inform your feelings, your feelings inform your behavior, and they really try to look at that. Okay. They don't necessarily go into, like, mm, what happened when you were a child, right, or kind of reflect on that. They may think about it. Mm-hmm. But what you were saying about um, feeling like you were having a kiki, what, mm-hmm. what happens in, like, a dynamic therapy is you talk about the relationship in the room. So you talk about, I feel like every time I'm here with you, I want to impress you. Right. And then they may say, oh, you know, and kind of give you their insight. So it's not just about you giving a a play by play of your day and week. You start to talk about your relationship. So it's really interesting. Interesting. I mean, I I love it.
1: Yeah, that's really cool. It's kind of like
3: out there, like horoscopes.
1: Yeah. Um, Just changing topics a bit. We were, and we talked a little bit about this when I was telling you, I feel like the Mercury and retrograde thing is real because like all this weird, bad stuff was happening at one time. Um, how can the everyday person support a loved one going through a hard time or, like, some sort of mental instability? Like, I'm not a therapist, but how could I be there for someone that I care about?
3: Yeah, so I, I get that question a lot, and I'm sure people here think about that.
1: Um, I was sharing earlier that
3: I think one of the great things about My role is that a lot of it is really just listening and creating an environment and space, not literally like, you know, but but creating a a relationship that I'm there to listen and almost bear witness to things that a person has experienced in their life. And so you can do that for your friends. If someone is going through a tough time, invite them over for dinner You know, actually ask them how they're feeling, how they're doing. You know, try to just give them an an environment where they can share and talk about that. Like, you asked me how I was doing, you created a little bit of room, and then I was like, girl, I'm sad about, you know, what's going on with, you know, we already talked about it. But um, that's what you do, you listen. And you, you don't listen to kind of say, this is what you should do. I think also we think that that's what we need to do is provide a solution. Sometimes it's just sitting there, you're shaking your head, yeah, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, just vent. talk about. I want it. everyone to hear.
4: Oh, yeah. I'm a psychotherapist. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. And I was just saying that um sometimes <laughs> you do need to just like you were saying it's not about finding solutions. Even when you go to therapy, it's not like you're going to get an answer. It's just helping you like learn more about yourself, make connections with things in the past. Well, I use like a psychodynamic and CBT approach. So, in yeah. that case, you kind of like make connections with different things and then like help them make connections like okay why do you think you behave that way so you learn more about your behaviors you learn more about different things and just being able to just express that openly it's not about like oh so what should I do I broke up with him like no but being able to be like this is how I really feel because um I tend to tell some of my clients that we often filter what we say especially around certain people because we want to cater to however they feel Right So, it's like the way I might tell my boyfriend something is going to be different from the way I tell my friend from my mom because they have different things that they're sensitive to right sensitivity whereas therapy gives you that open space where you can actually fully express yourself and you're like, "Oh wait, I really did feel the type of way, or they say things that they don't usually say in public, like "I don't like my kids like mm-hmm. you know, so being so it's able creating to a safe
3: space yeah. like you said, and you can you, you i mean you certainly i think when you're <laughs>
1: like my kids
3: that one was ouchy for me well I think yeah I mean it is so I think you're able to say those things certainly in a therapy setting like what what she's sharing is you get to say things that you you normally wouldn't but I think day to day just create a space where you're able to allow the person just to feel comfortable you don't have to get into stuff with them necessarily but just be open to asking them how they're doing Um, and and not necessarily feeling pulled to find a solution. Sometimes people just need you to sit with them while they're they're not doing so well. And then if you think they really need help, I would encourage them to talk to someone. You know, maybe normalize, like, how you guys shared your own experiences. You know, I never thought I'd be in therapy is how you could start. But this helped me, and is that something you would consider? I can help you start to look at things. You know, just be a support. I want to know your opinion
0: on boundaries, though, because I feel like there is also a challenge of you might have someone going through something, you yourself are going through something, and it's a hard balance, I think. And I think that as black women especially, we can take on a lot, um, and there needs to be that respect. So I just wanted to know what your thoughts are on that.
3: Yeah, so I, I do lives on Instagram every yes. every weekend, and I, I did one about boundaries. And so boundaries are going to help you to maintain yourself in terms of self-care, right? And I think, like, to your point, as black women, we're stereotypically very nurturing, right? We um, typically are the matriarchs of our, our family and, and and not from the standpoint of, like, just because we're women, but because, like, we are the backbone of the family. And so we bear a lot. We, we contain a lot of issues that are going on within our bodies, right? So, we, you know, we got somebody in and out of trouble. We're the ones trying to keep things stable. So I think it is very intuitive for us to take on a lot and, and try to overextend ourselves. But I'm definitely more in a space, and I encourage people to be open to, listening to what you need. And that listen, and I say that, but I mean like doing things like meditation where you can actually learn how do you feel when you sit alone or you do you notice like different sensations in your body? Not from the standpoint of illness, but like how many people really know what they feel like internally when they get angry, right? It took me a long time to realize that my anger comes up with like, I feel hot like in my neck and my stomach feels really tight, right? So like, I'm like, oh crap. That happens right before I'm ready to like go off or something at work. So then I know, okay, I'm getting angry, so let's breathe, let's think about what we're going to say. So once you start to learn more about your own body's signals to you through like things like meditation, then you start to be able to listen to yourself when you know this is a, this is a line I'm not gonna cross. No, I'm not gonna keep answering for the friend that's asking me to tell them what to do with their boyfriend and they're not listening. I'm getting, feeling myself getting angry they're wearing me out, I'm going to set a boundary. And it may, it doesn't have to be aggressive. You don't have to be like, girl, we're never talking about this, it could just be like, you know, why don't we schedule this time this weekend and talk about that, or now's not a good time. And you start to take a little bit more ownership for things like your time, that's a resource you can't get back, so it's okay to, I don't have time right now, but tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And then you still give them that time, but you watch your clock. <laughs> I know I can only do 20 minutes of this, right? That's ways that you can set healthy boundaries and still be loving. Even with family,
2: I I've I really personally have appreciated the vulnerability within this conversation, and it's one that I don't think we are we have traditionally had often as Black women, as Black people. And I know that that's a big part of your work is like this destigmatizing. And I'm curious about what you're hoping um, that your work will achieve um, as you continue to work within this community of Black people and Black women, kind of like the legacy I guess you hope to leave.
3: Um, I think. I just want to see people really live their best lives. And I don't think that we can do that without really understanding our internal world. Um, so if, if it means having these conversations in such a way where someone decides that, you know what, I'm going to call up a therapist and start to work through things, my hope is that that means that their life will, will look even better than where they were holding on to things like loss and grief and, and guilt um, I just want us to do more of that because I think we, we're under enough pressure, certainly as black people, um, we're under a lot of pressure. And so my, my thought is that the more that we're able to take ownership of our lives, even if it's just owning what I feel and being a little bit more intentional, then I think that we can tolerate some of this a bit more because I don't think things are going to change in our world at the rate we want it to. So why not just do the best that we can in our own lives, which means doing the work to deal with the hurt um, that we've had. So that that would be my hope, that people just try it out. I always tell people, I would ask Dr. Jess would not have happened had I not dealt with the issues that came up for me in therapy. I wouldn't have felt confident, because I would have felt like, yep, this is it. This is a story that, uh, this is my life. This is what this means, right? But it takes kind of taking ownership of what you believe and trying to work at making your life reflect that. And therapy can really help.
1: Yeah, I mean, I can say just from watching these two start therapy, it it has helped. (laughs) It has helped. You know, and and maybe I'll be next. Yeah. Um, So we just thank you so much for your time. That was incredible. Um, And, you know, all these lovely people are here. So if anyone has a question um, that they would like to ask Dr. Jess, You can raise your hand. Yeah.
5: Mm -hmm. So you kind of touched on this as for supporting your friends, and I was hoping if you could touch on it a little bit more, elaborate a little bit more, because I think one of the struggles I go through is that you're not trying to be judgmental, but you're concerned. You're genuinely concerned, and you don't want your friend to do something really bad. So I struggle with how do you have this conversation with them or how do you get them to the point of getting regular help because you really are concerned where they're at.
3: Yeah, that, so it's, it's always such a tough question for me to, to answer because I think the way that um, we're trained, there's so many like points that I like, could go off to. But I think if you're asking specifically about a person who you're concerned about their safety, right? Um, Concerned that their mental health is affecting their functioning, right? They're not doing well. That person, I really think it's okay to not necessarily believe that your job is to get them the help they need right there on the spot. That's That's a lot of a burden to carry, right? Even as a psychiatrist, I see people at the low of lows. I see people after they've had attempts, right? And I'm not, my responsibility is to get them safe in that moment. Um, And I'm a psychiatrist, right? So I cannot imagine if I wasn't how, first of all, if that's even possible to try to get someone who's not thinking about getting into treatment, into treatment, that's just a big load, a big burden to carry. So I think if that's coming to your mind, you know, certainly encourage them to get help and also tell them that you may, I mean, you you don't feel equipped to, to maybe be the type of support that they need. If it's wearing on you, like I've had someone share that they had a friend who would call or send a message that they were going to self-harm and it was almost in such a way that it would bind them that they couldn't, you know, they'd call back, the person wouldn't answer, right? So they're afraid now and it got to the point where they really had to set a firm boundary that if you're dealing with this, you can't call me you have to call nine one one. you need to go to the emergency room but because it's hurting me in our, in our relationship um, so yeah so I think first things first don't think that it's your job to save the day and then secondly encourage them to get help and then keep yourself safe um, in terms of like what your limits are you can't always be answering the phone if they're self harming and they're not willing to get help um, I hope that helps Definitely that's more for people who are really dealing with, with have friendships of people who are more uh, dealing with a lot of symptoms. But if it's something a little bit more like, you know, a loss, and, and they would you, you think they could use some help in terms of having someone to talk to, I think my first bit of kind of advice of just kind of having a safe and open space, I think that's reasonable. But if you're worried about safety, those are the things I'd recommend.
1: Kennedy
3: okay hey it's me oh hey
0: (laughs) so my question is for you so now that you've been more active on social media and you're special and doing things like this and you've been doing this it's more often than in the past right yeah okay Do you find that you need more time with your therapist, like more alone time for yourself, or have you noticed that you need more self-care practices in your day-to-day?
3: That is such a good point cuz it's really like so my my like 40-hour week, 60-hour week sometimes job is being a psychiatrist where I'm in so many settings and I'm um not only, you know, being a supportive uh, figure but, you know, like I was sharing taking care of people after they've had um you know, some serious attempts. So there's, there is a lot of that that I take on. And now with this, I do get messages from people, not um, messages that are like, unsafe, but I get a lot of people wanting to share what they've been going through and how helpful my platform has been for them. Um, I always tell people that I, I personally experience this work as gratifying. And so um, I do go to therapy every week, and I would not I'm planning not to stop that because I do realize the importance of having my own space. Um, but I think it's something really special to be there for people when, they're, when they are suffering in this way. Um, and I practice, like, safe boundaries. So I don't really engage. Like, if people DM me certain things, you know, I'll, I'll reply with what I think they should do. But I don't get overly invested. I'm not, you know, I realize I'm one person. I'm not the heroine to save the day. Um, but to your point, like, I... I You know, I practice meditation. I do things to try to just practice what I preach, but also practice healthy boundaries. Definitely do. Parents, family, like, y'all can be calling me for issues. Like, are you in therapy? All right, go into therapy. I can't be your therapist, you know. And and it's been helpful.
5: Thank you. I'll stand. Yes. um, We touched on the stigmas of, like, finance and paying for therapy, but I was also just wondering what you've witnessed and what you recommend for the stigma within the black community, and whether it's cultural or or generational, of just the, like, you'll be all right, like, you don't need to go to therapy, the idea that just that whole, like, you'll be all right kind of idea. Like, I have the blessings of my family, and my family's very pro-therapy, but I found a lot, and I've witnessed a lot, um... People who want to go but don't have the support of their friends or of their family, and this whole idea that it's not something that you need or it makes you weak, and um, it—I've just witnessed a real split, and I think it can even trigger kind of an identity crisis or conflict, and like wanting to better yourself but having this pull that like I can do it on my own, or I don't need this, or I'm strong enough to handle it. And what you recommend for even opening up that conversation within? Folks who don't, who aren't pro therapy, or who really believe that like you can go through with God and with your own self, and yeah,
3: no, that's a really great great question, and I think you touched on what we all kind of. I saw people nodding their heads, like the different aspects of the stigma um, within the Black community surrounding uh, engaging with mental health treatment. Um, it's so complex, right? Um, you know, there's this thought about like post traumatic slave syndrome, right? So how much of that, you'll be all right, is because we really have to be all right, right? In this context of slavery, like there was, you know, with mental health, what are you talking about if you're not getting this, I'm not gonna keep going. So so how much of that is passed on, right? Um, you know, The medical system has been quite inhumane and cruel towards black bodies, right? So when I shared Tuskegee and I'm like, I don't know about Tuskegee, but y'all know about the Tuskegee experiment, right? So that's just, one example, and you can look up, uh, I believe it's called Medical Apartheid. Yeah, right, it goes in depth. It's not just black Americans, right? We're just talking about um, darker skinned people throughout the world, right? We have endured a lot, so there's a lot of distrust. Then even the example you shared where people may mean well, but there is a disconnect, right? That's why gentrification, I believe, it's so tragic because people want to come in and be a part of it, but there's just a disconnect, right? Our our experiences in terms of black versus white, it's very different. I tell people all the time, black is its own culture. Like I tell my white colleagues all the time, listen, if you can acknowledge that, you know, our friend in class whose parents are Korean and they're first born, they have their own nuance way. You need to look at me as having nuance, right? My language, all that stuff. So that's a part of it, right? How people view us. Um, and I kind of got off on, on a tangent, but really also we remember what the, what the medical field has done to us, right? We remember what, how, I mean, I didn't say this, but um, if you take a, a black man and a white man and put them in front of a psychiatrist and they have the same symptoms, the white man is more likely to be diagnosed with bipolar disorder, which socially is a more acceptable diagnosis, right? It's a mood disorder. Um, And the black man with the same symptoms is more likely to have schizophrenia, right? And so schizophrenia already, right? We know that you don't have to say it out loud, but what's your kind of thought when you hear schizophrenia, right? We all get it. So there's an issue with misdiagnosis, right? Um, I was on a tangent, and I'm coming back. What you shared about your therapist projecting onto you, right? There's a lot of issues with use this cultural competency, which is really frustrating because it's uh, supposed to be a number of courses that people in the medical field and healthcare field get additional training to understand different cultures and ways to approach. And because this country has an issue with talking about race, we're not actually getting into the nuance. We're we're going, oh, you know, in some Asian cultures, they may not describe this as that, and so be aware. And so then your colleague who's not maybe exposed to a lot of diversity in their life will be like, okay, great, I've checked that off. Yes, great, I've watched a few episodes of this, or, you know, I have my black classmate as a reference, but they're not really embedded in the culture in a way that would allow them to appreciate the nuance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot that we're dealing with, right? And to your question... I'm about two years into therapy, and I'll tell you, I'm at my own therapy, so I'm at the point where I'm a lot more assertive and less concerned about what other people think, even my family. I've allowed myself to get angry at people, important figures in my life, and that's been cathartic for both parties. Um, So this Dr. Jess, who's been in two years of therapy, would say, don't worry about the people who don't understand what you need, right? But that's obviously two years in. If you think you need it, it may be that you start out and it's not everybody's business where you are for that hour or week, right? And then over time, you may get to a place where you are comfortable to confront some of these um, people in your life that are still not ready to uh, believe that mental health treatment is important. So it's complicated, you know. I wish I could say more than that. I wish I can have more of an answer, but I think you gotta look at self-preservation, what you need. And also move on if the therapist or a doctor is not giving you what you need. If they're misdiagnosing you, if they're trying to make you take a medication that you don't think you need, try to get another opinion. We're, we're just really going to be on defense a lot as people of color. And that's okay to be on defense.
1: That's so crazy because what you said has so many parallels to education. Um, I was a teacher for three years, a school teacher. And a lot of the little black boys had ADD. Yep, and a lot of the little white boys needed to run. That's that was the difference. They had a lot of ear um to you. and even in the schools, like when you said, maybe it's not for you. I remember telling parents, like, like trying to be a real honest with them, like maybe this is not the right school, yeah. because they're obviously like. It's just crazy how it bleeds into so many things. Oh, yeah. Um, being a person, being a black person. I was going to say a person of color, but specifically a black person. Talk about it and have these conversations. Um, yeah. Does anyone have any? Well, in that case, I wanted to thank you um, from the bottom of all of our hearts, and I'm sure everyone in this room, um, for for being here, for imparting your experiences, and I know you're, you're young, but your wisdom um, <laughs> on us today. Um, so thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. I love what you guys are doing. Thank you.
0: Yes, so please go check out Black Girls Texting. Again, we're on Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud. If there's a platform that you prefer, let us know. If we're not on there, we'll be on there. Um, so much of our conversation is about this vulnerability That's something that we find really, really important. We're trying to make this feel like you're just hanging out with your girlfriend.
3: So please go check us out. Um, Is there anything else that you would want to share? I always say this, and it's um, my quote, you are not your pain, you are love. And I think it's a reminder to people that we are going through a lot, but that does not describe who you are in this moment. It does not even have anything to do with your future. You have access to love, and that's what you need to keep focusing on because we are so... Who we got a lot that we deal with. So I, I, I personally, that's my personal philosophy. So that's what I would say.
0: Thank you.